Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Hope you're doing well, uh, Cynthia and BP. Um, and let's see, we had Bill. Thank you guys very much for leading us in worship and leading us uh, to the cross this morning. H how many of you are really thrilled that 2014 is over? All right, I'm raising my hand. I'm not just demonstrating, I'm raising my hand. I'm glad 2014 is over, and I'm glad that's, that it is a new year. Um, I love uh, a new year, don't you? A fresh start, kind of a time to press the reset button, a time to really kind of uh, maybe get uh, acclimated uh, to some new things that you want to improve upon and uh, some old things that you want to get rid of. And uh, I love a new year, and I'm so glad that we as a church have this tradition. Yes, I just said the word tradition in a contemporary church. How about that? Uh, so uh, we have a tradition that we've had these past few years of having our very first uh, service of the year be a time where we gather around the communion table, and we celebrate and remember and have gratitude and thanksgiving for what Christ did on the cross so I want to thank you for being a part of it today. Uh, if you are a, a regular part of uh, Hilton Head Island Community Church, I'm glad you're here. If you're um, you know, visiting um, probably from up north somewhere, we're glad you're here too. And uh, thank you for being with us and uh, joining us here as we as a church celebrate communion um, together. In 2005, Cynthia and myself and our little, at the time, 15-month-old Sydney um, moved from Atlanta to New York City. And if you've been with us for any length of time, I tell a lot of stories about New York because it was a, an incredible time. Um, two years that we were on this project of helping our friends start a church up there. And we lived on Riverside Drive and 79th, which is on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And we loved every minute of it, absolutely loved it. Most people are like, when you move to New York, you know, most people are like, oh, I moved back out of New York and I'll never go there again. And we didn't feel that way at all. We loved our time there. Um, there were parts of it that were hard and there were parts of it that were very difficult, but there were parts of it that were just amazing. And so we loved our time there. One of the things that I loved about New York was the energy of all the people in New York. And if you've ever visited New York or if you've ever lived there for any length of time, you know that when, once you're there for a little while, um, like if you normally walk at a pace of five, um, in the normal course of life, when you're in New York, um, you walk at a pace of 10 if you've been there, you know, for any length of time. It just has this energy, doesn't it, the, for those of you who live there or um, may have spent some time there. It has this energy, um, this, this excitement, this enthusiasm that's, that is contagious. And, and there's just people everywhere. I, I, I like to run. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a novice runner, but I'm a runner. And I, I really got into running in New York because you would run in, in Riverside Park or in Central Park, and there were people everywhere. And it just makes you go faster. It's just a fast city. I remember the first time we moved to Hilton Head, um, and I went out to run. There, there wasn't anybody. Like, where are all the people here? Nobody runs here. Well, it's just because New York, you know, you have so many more people uh, that are, are running that early in the morning. And so it just has this energy. It has this kind of contagious type thing that just kind of gets you uh, motivated and, and gets you excited. And after living there for a few months, um, I found myself really in the flow of that type of, of life and lifestyle. 
Uh, we lived right there on, on Riverside Drive, and I'd, I'd get out of my apartment and walk down Riverside Drive a half a block and then up three or four blocks to where I would catch the number one subway, and um, it was fast-paced. You know, I'd, I'd get there, and I, you know, I'd try to beat the person you know, in front of me and try to walk faster than them, and um, it's just kind of the way New York is, and I'd take that 20-minute uh, subway ride to downtown, get off there uh, in the, at 28th Street uh, and walk to uh, the uh, place where our office was, where my job was was, and I just, it was fast, and it was just a fast-paced, um, exuberant life. Well, in the first spring that we lived there, Cynthia, my wife, introduced me to a guy by the name of Ian Cron, and Ian was the pastor of a church much like ours um, out in Greenwich, Connecticut, and Ian and I hit it off immediately. Um, we, we began to talk about spiritual things and church work and that kind of thing, and he was a pastor of this pretty large church in, in Greenwich, and I asked him if he would give me a, an hour one day um, on, you know, weekday afternoon. And much to my surprise, he did. And I, I was just kind of struggling and felt like I needed uh, someone to, to maybe help me calibrate or, um, you know, kind of get some perspective on some things. And so Cynthia and myself and, and our little Sydney um, took the Metro North up to Greenwich. And uh, we had been there one time because we had visited Ian's church, but we got there into Greenwich and, and we walked from the Metro North Station, or actually we took a cab from the Metro North Station over to where his office was. And his office was situated kind of up on the hill right outside of the village of Greenwich, Connecticut. And it was uh, an old house. It was built like in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And his office was way at the top. And I remember S Cynthia and Sydney went and they kind of did their thing. And I went in his office and Ian and I sat and we talked for 20 minutes or so. And he says, hey, do you want to walk down into Greenwich and, and let's get some lunch? And I said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. And so we walked down the stairs, and we walked outside of his, uh, uh, his office there, and, and I hit, I hit that, that door and closed it behind me, and he was kind of right there next to me, and I started off walking at my New York Manhattan pace. And, and much to my surprise, I, I thought he was right there beside me. I had gotten, you know, probably, I don't know, uh, you know, quite a few steps down the sidewalk, and he wasn't there. And I turned around, and he's standing there at the door staring at me. I'm like, this is a little bit creepy now. I didn't want this for my one day that I was going to be in Greenwich, spending some time with this guy. I go, Ian, what's wrong? He goes, hey, dude, slow down. He just goes, you need to slow down. He goes, I know you live in Manhattan. You've been there for four or five months. And you're from the South, so you think it's really cool that you have this fast-paced lifestyle. But, dude, you, it, it, it was an older gentleman, and he's saying dude to me, which I thought was pretty cool. He's like, dude, you need to slow down. Take a breath. He says, so walk with me at my pace down to Greenwich. And I got to tell you, that was the hardest 10-minute, 15-minute walk I've ever had in my life to try to slow down. How many of you are like me? You have trouble pressing the pause button in your life. Let's go ahead in a minute. It's church. We're supposed to not lie, you know, okay? So anyway, it is hard to press the pause button. It's hard to take a breath, isn't it? And so over lunch, Ian and I began to talk, and the thing that he noticed about me was is that I had kind of bought into this, this lifestyle of this fast-paced New York Manhattan lifestyle, which isn't all bad, but he noticed that there was this frantic pace that I was operating at, and he knew exactly what I needed to hear. And that was, as I was operating at such a high pace, 
And I didn't take time enough in my life to stop. I was beginning to edge God out. And so I sat there over lunch, and Ian introduced me to several different kind of concepts. And one of the concepts that he introduced me to was the idea of having some time of introspection or examination or of contemplation. And he introduced me to this whole concept of having a contemplative life. Now, the, the idea of contemplation or a contemplative life in, in our church, kind of our, uh, you know, tribe of church, um, it is really kind of looked down upon because there's so much to accomplish. And let's face it, we have a mission, don't we? We have a mission to reach our world for Christ. But there's so much in Scripture that calls those of you who are here today who are Christ followers, there's so much in Scripture that calls us to take time in our lives to press the pause button, and to stop for a moment and to contemplate where we are in our lives. And I thought at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of 2015, with the old gone, thank goodness, and the new right in front of us, what a great time it would be for us as a church and God's people to pause today and contemplate and think about our lives and think about where we are with God. Jesus was, was so interested in, in his disciples taking a moment and thinking about their spiritual lives and having some time to focus on their spiritual lives. And it was very difficult for them to do that as well. And when he finally would get them to do it, we see in Scripture that they fell asleep when they were doing it. That's great, isn't it? They paused so much out of their frantic lives that they fell asleep while he was praying. But we are called as, as Christ followers, as God followers, to, to take an inspection of our lives. And when there's so much noise around us, when there's so much busyness around us, when there's so much to do, and let's face it, we all have a lot to do, we all have a lot to accomplish. When there's so much of that in our lives on a regular basis, it's very difficult to find out what God wants for our lives. And, and I would love nothing more than for us as a a group of Christ followers here on Hilton Head Island, Hilton Head Island Community Church, to be a people who really seek what God wants for our lives in 2015. Our staff and elders have talked uh, over these past few months about how excited we are uh, for 2015. And one of of our elders, uh, Tom Coyle, uh, said to me recently, said, man, I'm expecting for our church big things from a big God. And I believe that, and I hope you do as well. But you know what that means? That means that we, each of us who are part of this movement, who are part of this church, and and those of you who are a part of another church, it's important for us to pause and to take a look within and to get introspective and to examine our lives. In fact, I believe that this whole idea of examination sets us up for God to use us in mighty ways. I think that God can, can do that if we don't examine ourselves. But we're set up so much better for, the, for success and in really seeking out what God wants for our lives when we pause for a moment and rid our lives of some of the junk that may be in there. And so before we come together and take communion this morning, I want us to do that as a church. I want us to do that as individuals. I want us to do that as Christ followers. You know, communion is is a celebration 
of what Jesus did on the cross. And I realize there's probably a lot of different backgrounds, religious backgrounds represented in here. Some of you come from a background where uh, it's called communion. That's kind of my background as well. And communion means the communion of us and God and communion with each other that we do this together. It's one of the two ordinances that Jesus gave us was to partake of the bread and the cup and remember what he did on the cross. Some of you, your background, it's called the, the Lord's Table or the Lord's Supper, and that's something that uh, you celebrate, and it's, it's the same thing. It really is the same thing. And some of you come from a background where it's called Holy Eucharist or the Eucharist. And that word Eucharist is interesting because it literally means to be grateful or to be thankful. Isn't that great? I love that. So you see, when we come around the Lord's table, when we celebrate communion together, that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to be thankful for what he was that night when he had the first communion with his disciples was about ready to do the next day, and that is die for our sins. It's an old tradition. In fact, I can't wait because later this year, later, later this spring, uh, we're going to be talking about the Passover meal in a series that we're, we're going to be doing here corporately as a church. But um, just to kind of give you an overview, um, for generations, the Jewish people have gotten together and they celebrate once a year the Passover meal. And it's a celebration of God delivering them from the bondage and slavery of Egypt. And so Jesus, when he was there in the upper room with his disciples in Jerusalem that day before he went to his death, um, he was celebrating and remembering what God had done. But he was also foreshadowing what God would do with him. And so when we come to the Lord's table, when we come to communion or Eucharist, that's our purpose, is to celebrate and to give thanks for what God has done. But hidden and kind of couched, and maybe, uh, maybe you've never noticed this before, um, those of you who are Christ followers, but right in the, the portion of Scripture where Paul gives us instructions on, on what we're supposed to do, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians gives us instructions on how we're supposed to do this thing, communion, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, uh, or Eucharist, is included this idea of contemplation or introspection. It's kind of couched in there, and you almost miss it if you're not looking for it. And I want to point it out to you this morning. It's a fantastic passage. It's the passage where we really receive the instructions of how we're supposed to do this. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I want you to look at verse 28. This is Paul writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, let a person examine himself then, and so then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You see, what Jesus wants us to do is to examine ourselves, to examine our lives, so that before we come to the Lord's table, before we celebrate and give gratitude for what God has done through Jesus, we come with clean hands and a pure heart. Not perfection, not perfection, but a period of time where we confess to God some of those things that we need, that old junk that we need to get rid of, so that we can have a more healthy relationship and journey with him. For some of you, you've heard of communion. For some of you, it's the Lord's Supper. For some of you, it's the Holy Eucharist. But I know there's probably a few of you who um, may be far from God, or, or maybe you've never given your life to God. And, and for you, this is a whole new concept. It's really maybe even a bit strange uh, what churches do by celebrating the bread and the cup as a representation of, of Jesus' death. 
And I want to let you know today that inside your worship folder on that second page there um, it is a prayer. And I, I want to encourage you and an explanation there of what it means to become a Christ follower. So if you're here today and you're not yet a Christ follower, I want to encourage and challenge you to make that decision today. And there's a way that it will walk you right through on that second page. We're, we're about ready to enter a period of time where we're going to individually and corporately go to God in, in contemplation, in, in introspection, in examination. And I think it's a fantastic time of year to just press the pause button and find out what it means to get introspective and to ask God to find out where we need to change, where we've missed his mark, where we have a pattern that he's not happy with or is disappointed with. And contemplation, this whole idea of contemplation, when it's focused on Jesus and focused on the cross and focused on his word, which is the whole concept of what we are supposed to do as Christ followers, when we do that, what it does is it helps us rid ourselves of the stuff that really blocks us from having a more healthy or more in-depth or better journey with God. And so today, before we come to the Lord's table, I, I'm going to ask you to do three things this morning. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to examine yourself. Ask you to examine yourself. Examine where you are in your spiritual journey. Maybe you've been far from God. Maybe um, you've let the holiday season uh, over these past few weeks really kind of edge God out. Maybe you're in a place right now where you've got a family situation that's really causing you concern, and you've allowed that thing to be the issue in your life, and you've gotten your focus off of him. Maybe you're here today, and you're involved in something that you know is disappointing to God. You know it's counterproductive in terms of your journey with him, and oh man, you just need to examine that. And then the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is to confess. Hey, here's the, here's the amazing thing about God. Um, that thing that you have that's disappointing to him or that's counter what his word says, it, you know what? He already knows about it. He already knows it. We learn in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, that he is an all-knowing God. But one of the things that we're supposed to do as Christ followers is to confess and admit those areas to him. And then the last thing I'm going to ask you to do is to ask God and to be open to his leading in your life to repent from that area that's holding you back in terms of your relationship with him. All the way back in Acts, in, in chapter uh, 1 and 2, we, we see Peter, one of the early church fathers, giving a message, and, and he's giving a message of repentance. And the word there in, in Acts literally means that you're heading in one direction, and you literally turn and you do a 180 in the complete opposite direction. That's all that word means. We kind of think that word over, you know, maybe your church background or whatever has caused you to have a negative connotation of that word. That's literally what it means, to be heading in one direction and to turn in the other direction. And the best way to have that kind of full turnaround, that repentance, is to first examine your life, allow God to examine your life, and to have some confession. To let him know about the things that you are struggling with. And then when you're in that position, he will give you the strength to repent, to turn around from those things that are hindering your journey with him. Again, for some of you, that repentance may just be giving your life to him. It may be simply for the first time saying yes to Jesus, accepting him as your savior, accepting the fact that God sent him to die for you. 
And maybe that's your point of evaluation and confession and repentance. So we're going to have a time later in the service where we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to give thanks for what God has done. But before we do that, we're going to show a video here in a moment. And during this video, it's going to be some time. It's going to be about five minutes. And I'm going to admit that some of you will be very uncomfortable at this time. And that's okay. It really is. I'm going to ask you just in the silence, and you can listen to the music play while the video is playing, just to do those things. Examine, confess, and repent. See, we can't do these things on our own. We need the power of God in our lives to be able to accomplish those things that he wants. So I want to encourage you over these next few moments to take the silence seriously. Some of you may want to get in a position. Some of you may want to kneel right where you are. That's fine. Feel free to do that. Some of you may want to come down to the cross. A cross station is open. You may, may just want to get on your knees down here at the cross and think about that cross and think about what God did for you by sending Jesus to die on that cross. When I was growing up, one of, my, one of the most important parts of my life spiritually was every time that we as a church at Lowburn Alliance Church in Lowburn, Georgia, would gather around the communion table. And in that little building there that they don't use anymore, it's now a fellowship hall because they've grown and they've built another building. But in that room there, I remember distinctly when we would have communion, that behind the orange pews for the choir, you know, this was like the 1970s and 80s it was built, so everything was orange and brown. It was awesome. It was, yeah, it was great, yellow, orange, brown. Right behind those pews where the choir uh, would sit was a cross. It looked just like that one. It was wooden. And I remember focusing on that cross. And that's when God did some amazing things in my life and set me up to do what I'm doing now. And for some of you, it may be that he's calling you to do a new work. It may be for some of you that he's calling you to repair a relationship. For some of you, it may be he's calling you to get out of a pattern of living that you're in that you know is disappointing to him. Let's take these next few moments as we watch this video and listen to the music just to get introspective and to hear from him. Let's examine, let's confess to him, and let's turn from those things that are keeping us from him.